Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Max Verstappen dominated the Miami Grand Prix for the second year in a row, leading home yet another Red Bull 1-2. Outstanding performance for the reigning world champion. Max Verstappen comes out of the final corners. Max Verstappen wins the Miami Grand Prix with a masterclass of performance. Ninth on the grid to the top step of the podium. I call that simply lovely. Looked like a near-perfect race for you, Max. P9 to P1. Of all your victories in Formula 1, where does this one rank? Yeah, it's been a good one. I mean, um, just really staying out of trouble in the beginning because, of course, the people around me, you know, they try to gain positions as quickly as possible on that one. But knowing that, of course, you have a quick card and, you know, once it all settles down, you just try to pick them off one by one. Once I, I was in clean air, it was just about getting to that lap number we targeted. But then as soon as I, I was getting close to the number, I was like, okay, this is good. So then I started pushing, could extend the gap again, which really made my race today, I think, because once we pitted, of course, then I had the fresher tires to the end. So um, yeah, then I had a good battle with Checo. I mean, we were free to race, which was said before. And uh, of course, m most importantly is that we don't touch, but that, that all worked out really well. Welcome everybody to F1 Nation with our debrief of the Miami Grand Prix. You're joining me, Tom Clarkson, Pedro de la Rosa, and Eric Van Haren from De Telegraph in Holland to have a look back on what has been a phenomenal weekend for Formula One in Miami. The event itself has been fantastic and the race had so much going on from start to finish. It was a thriller and in no particular order, we're joined by Red Bull team principal Christian Horner, George Russell, Lando Norris, Alpine team principal Otmar Safnauer and Ferrari star Carlos Sainz. I hope you enjoy the show. Now, Eric, of all Max Verstappen's victories in Formula One, all 38 of them, I can't think of a more convincing one than what we saw today in Miami. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And I think, do we have to ask ourselves the question, are we surprised by that? Um, of course, Checo, his teammate was on pole, very dominant car, but history repeats itself a bit because if Max has a difficult weekend like last weekend in Baku, of course he was second on Sunday, but it was a quite a difficult, frustrating week weekend for him. But this weekend he was so quick and of course he made a mistake on Saturday, so he had to go from P9, but I think we have to be happy with that because otherwise it was, would be a very boring race here in uh, Miami. So I'm not surprised. I think Red Bull is really happy that they had a clean fight, he, him and Checo, but Max was just flying the whole weekend. And I think it's a signal as well, like people said maybe after Baku, okay, Checo is the king of the streets, which he is maybe, but this is also a street track. And then, of course, we go now to Imola, later we have Austria, we have Silverstone, Barcelona, Hungary. I think that are tracks that are more like, likely to max. So I think he made a good step today. Eric, let's wind the clock back to when we all arrived here, a little bit jet-lagged on Thursday. What sort of a mood was Max in after what he'd been through in Baku? Did he see this race as vitally important to get his championship campaign back on track, if you like? He didn't say that out loud, but if you know him a little bit, of course, after a, what I said, after a frustrating weekend, also, always he's the next week or the next two weeks later, he's pushing more, it seems. You know, maybe as a driver, if you already want to have perfection, that's not possible. But that's the feeling I have. And on Thursday, he was, of course, he's always relaxed on Thursday, but he was quite uh, calm. He, he didn't want to say anything more about the thing happened with George last week in Baku. So that was clever for him to not bring that up again. Did, so did you ask him? Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's my job. But um, I think he, he, he did well. And also, um, I asked him what he think about being booed, and uh, because on social media I got a lot of criticism after the Russell thing, the Russell incident in Baku after the sprint race, and also today. Uh, even in Holland. Yeah, people as well, because they think 
on the board radio, he is like complaining a lot. But again, it's re- uh, history repeats itself because Hamilton did that as well, Vettel did that as well, Schumacher did that as well. If you are leading, people are fighting you more hard. So um, that was a good quote he said in the press conference with you. He said that uh, I read it to be uh, with my trophy on the top here and that people who criticize me are going home without, with nothing. Um, yeah, he said it a little bit different, but that was more or less what he said. And I think that's nice. Of course, you can agree with him or disagree with him, but he always stand up for himself. He always give his honest opinion. In the years I'm following, I never can. I think I ne- he never lied to me. So that if you're a journalist, that's the best thing you have. And I think without Max Verstappen, it will be quite boring, on and off the track. So he was calm and composed when he arrived here in the U.S. Was he still feeling that way after qualifying when he made that mistake on his first run of Q3 and wasn't able to get the job done? Yeah, what I liked was that he was like um, complaining about himself. He made a mistake and then of course he, was, he had bad luck with Charles crashing and, and not going up for a second lap. But it was really easy for him to say, okay, uh, Charles, I didn't go for my second room because of the red flag. No, he said, I messed up the first lap, so it was my mistake. So that was a good sign and I think he said already minimum um, realistic goal for Sunday is P2, but I think in the back of his head was only the, the, the victory. And do you think he sees Checo as a genuine threat this year? Yes, because he's the only threat. I think he has the confidence that he is a better driver, especially a more consistent driver, 23 races. But you have seen in 16 with Rosberg Hamilton, you can have bad luck, you can have some DNFs, and then your teammate can believe in it as well. And it's only 14 points. Of course, it's only five races we had, but only 14 points. So a lot can still happen. But I think Max is confident enough that he thinks, okay, consistent long term, I'm a better driver. I think he thinks that way. We both know the characters of these guys, don't we? Do we think it's going to get, not nasty, that's the wrong word, but do we think it could get a little bit tense between them or or do you think they will race with respect throughout the year? They are racing drivers, so you can have a fight on on your hands. So, of course, it will be tense sometimes, but... It's more, uh, it's maybe a question if, if it stands, how, if you are going to have peace immediately after or a week after. So, of course, it can be tense. We saw it last year already when Max was already champion. So, <laughs> uh, it can always be. But I think now they have respect for each other and you saw it today. They, they fight with respect. But I have to say, Max was an advantage with fresher tires and it was not a real fight, right? It didn't feel like a real fight, no. did it? You know, Chaco's tires were, what, 20 yeah, plus laps? Yeah. So, of course, he tried and he defended and he didn't let Max pass right away, but it was not a real fight. Another thing that came across, I thought, in the, in the post-race press conference was the affection that Max has for his father, Jos. And, and Jos has won a rally yeah. this weekend. There's been a double victory for the Verstappen. Do you sense their relationship is great? And how much does Max rely on his dad? So when Max is here without him, do you feel that I don't know, without his wingman, he feels incomplete somehow or...? No, maybe a few years ago, but now Jos is not... I think this year he was only in Jeddah so far. So, and they call every day, uh, they text every day, so they have a lot of contact. But sometimes if Jos is here, of course, sometimes the whole day, Max is so busy, they don't see each other all day. Jos is only in the hospitality talking with people. Um, but I think sometimes it helps when he is here, but Max is so mature now. He, he didn't... He don't need his father all the time with him, but... I think he still is number one wingman, if you would like to say it that way. Perez shows him the outside line, but there'll be better traction for Max Verstappen, who stands on the throttle. He'll get DRS again. We'll fight it to turn one. Can Perez offer a defensive line to the inside? He's got no other choice. The ball's wheel to wheel, and round the outside. Will it be the lead? It's close between the two of them. The crowd are roaring, and Max Verstappen takes the lead at the Miami Grand Prix, having started ninth on the grid. He's passed his teammate. He's passed all of them. Let's get the thoughts of Red Bull team principal Christian Horner. Christian, thanks for your time. They didn't touch and it was a one-two, but were you nervous? Well, look, we discussed it this morning. I said, look, guys, you're free to race, but keep it clean and, and just give each other respect and respect the team. And, and all the time that you do that, we'll let you race. And, and I thought they did exactly that today. They were firm, but they were very fair with each other and showed respect to each other and, and the team. Now... Were you surprised by the medium tyre today? I mean, did you even think of starting Checo on the hard? No, no, no. And the medium tyre, 
statistically from all our simulations showed that it was a better outcome race-wise and I think you know, Max pushed very hard to run the, the hard tyre with his engineering team and statistically it looked like it was a less preferential race in terms of race time but uh, I think the way Max was able to make that hard tyre work from lap 20 to 42 was truly outstanding and that was what really won him that race. And after such a strong weekend in Baku for yep. Checo, what sort of response is this from Max? Max left uh, Baku, I think, feeling, you know, he obviously didn't enjoy, you know, Checo was a quicker driver that weekend and uh, uh, obviously had a, a, a huge weekend. And I think he was very keen to come here and reassert himself. And I mean, that, that, when you look back at that middle section of the race, that was an impressive performance. And both guys just going hard at it against the stopwatch. Christian, if I may, you have such an advantage on the Sundays especially. Do you think teams like Mercedes, who of course say we have a big update in Imola, can close on to you guys or is the advantage just too big? I don't know. I mean, it's still a long season and uh, they've got a lot of development time available to them. So, I mean, let's see. I mean, there's, there, I'm sure I keep hearing of massive upgrades for Mercedes coming and significant ones for Ferrari. So, um, you know, if they do have a B-spec car, then then you know, things, things can change quite quickly. But you guys are not standing still, I reckon, as well. Of course, we, we have the restrictions in the development tools um, you know, imposed on us this year, but uh, I think the team are doing a very effective, very efficient job, and um, you know, they're using the time that we have effectively. Christian, thanks for your time. Great to hear from him, and uh, what a happy man, because that really was not only the perfect result for Red Bull, but the way it was managed, the way they fought, the way they kept it clean, it was how Christian, as the team boss, wants them to go racing this year. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. We're now joined by uh, our teammate, our teammate for the <laughs> show today, Pedro De La Rosa. You're looking happy and relaxed because it's been a good day, hasn't it, for Aston Martin? Hello, Tom. Hello, everyone. Well, I think it's it's been more than a good day. It's been a fantastic weekend. You know, it was a, a very an up and down Saturday qualifying. I think Lance was very close to getting some points today, but we had the, the issue in Q1. But for me, it was a fantastic race. I mean, it was like, I mean, you know, there was a, a lot of action going on, a lot of uh, uh, fights. There was the fight for the lead, you know, I mean, it was beautiful to see uh, Max pushing with that, that hard tire and, and Checo defending as, as he could, you know, on that, on that grain medium tire. At what point in this race did you go, OK, Max has got this? There was a point towards, uh, you know, like maybe 15 laps to the end when Max was pulling fastest laps at one point, personal fastest laps, and you could see that Checo could not respond with a fresher set of uh, hard tires. Then you realize it's game over. Even with the medium tire not performing today? The thing is, I think that uh, the medium tire proved to be very, very fragile. So at the beginning of the race, Checo did not really pull the gap needed uh, to, to manage after that. And, uh, and the fact that the, it was a difficult tire, Fernando struggled with the medium as well at one point with Sainz putting a lot of pressure. Sainz was always in the DRS zone, uh, so Fernando could not really manage that, that, that medium tire. And it was, uh, it was opening up, you know, many drivers were having front graining, rear graining. Eric, can I throw that to you? At what point did you think Max has got this? Well, Fernando said before the race, yesterday after qualifying, he said, I think Max is with me in lap 25, and it was already lap 15. And normally Fernando is quite right with his predictions like this. So that was the first thing. And then I saw in the heart, I had, a, I think, around lap 20 or something. He was struggling a bit, Max, and Checo was 
pushing on a, on a fresh tire. So then I think maybe it will be difficult, but then Max was, what Pedro said, Max was at the end of his stint, he was pushing, purple laps, purple laps, and that was the thing. Okay, even after his stop, he will be behind Checo on fresh medium tires, he will get him. So, and what I said before, Max was so quick all weekend. Of course, he made a mistake on Saturday, but you saw already he was quicker than everyone, also than Checo, so I'm not that surprised. One thing Eric and I were talking about at the top of the show, Pedro, is um, what sort of a response is this from Max Verstappen after what happened in Baku last weekend when Checo showed him the way home? I, I mean, let, let's, let's look back at the weekend. I mean, I think Max has been dominating the whole weekend. He only made one mistake, which was uh, his first lap in Q3. And then he was unfortunate about the red flag. But let's be realistic. He has been super strong all weekend on single laps, on a long run pace, on the race simulations on Friday. So I, I haven't been that surprised that he would do it because I didn't think Checo had that long run pace needed. He eventually made it in Q3 and did a fantastic lap. But it took him a lot of thinking, a lot of understanding what he was needing, a lot of looking at the data where uh, Max was uh, faster. I mean, Max was super fast looking at the data from turn five, six, seven, eight, all that section of the uh, sector one. He was unbelievably quicker than, not Checo, than everyone else, you know? And that's the difference. I think uh, Max came back strong, but he felt like at home since lap one here. Eric, I know you've got to go and uh, start penning some words yeah. for, the, uh, for the Dutch fans of Formula One, but just let's throw it forward to Imola. We're back in Europe, Max is on a roll. What do you think his mindset is right now? I think extending this gap because, uh, of course, we can think it was a very dominant victory, which it was, but it's only 14 points, the gap. So uh, I think he, he looked forward to it, to go to Europe, not travel that long, and uh, it's an old school track. And that's what Max really likes. Of course, he doesn't like this tracks at all. Uh, you couldn't see it in the car today, but he doesn't like maybe the car. He likes Miami, but maybe not the show uh, here. I liked it, but uh, maybe not. Did, did you like the pre-race show? Yeah. This is America, so and the people loved it, and of course it's over the top. But I personally like I like to have the difference. Imola is way different than it will be here. It's old, it's old school. The track is very different, but I like to have some changes during the year. So I, I think it's great. And to go back to your first question, I think uh, Max is really looking forward to Imola and to extend this gap. And he showed already he had some bad luck this year. So and what I said, the gap is not that big. So I think if Checo can be P2, if Max is P1, then of course the gap will not be that big uh, in the next couple of weeks. And of course then Checo maybe can sometimes have some profit if Max has bad luck. So I think it's not uh, decided yet, but it's, it was only race five. So it will be crazy if I say uh, something different. Eric, thank you very much. See you soon. And Fernando Alonso looking to make it four podiums for the season. Another supreme performance for him as well. He's getting used to standing in third place. He'll be there again in a few moments' time. Aston Martin are absolutely loving life in Formula One 2023. Hey, three, man, well done. Yeah, well done, guys. A bit of a lonely race, but we take it. So what about the rest of the show? Red Bull dominate. Fernando Alonso does what Fernando Alonso does, which is getting the maximum out of his car. He actually said he thought this was their most impressive race of the year so far. No safety cars and only 25, 26 seconds behind the Red Bulls at the flag. You agree with him? Yeah, I mean, I think that he, he drove incredibly well. I was very impressed how he managed the, the medium tire at the beginning of the race, having the pressure of uh, Carlos. Carlos uh, Sainz was flying on the Ferrari on that tire. Then they went to the hard tire and they seemed to lose a lot of pace. But man, it's so difficult to think about the tire and have someone stuck on your gearbox opening the DRS in, in every straight. So it was, it was a fantastic weekend, you know, uh, really well managed. And also I think it was really interesting what happened on, in, on, on Saturday where we were struggling in the FP3. We were trying different options, setups, and then gradually we went back to what was known and it really worked well. But we threw a lot of new stuff, basically a lot of, uh, you know, into qualifying. We went back on the setup and for the drivers to get used to the, the setup, although it was a known setup, but on a new track, it's very difficult when you go into qualifying, having no chance of uh, fine tuning the ride heights or the, the balance, you know, mechanical balance of the car because you are in par fermé from the start of qualifying. So I think we learn a lot. We tried a lot of things here this weekend and we came out with uh, plenty of points. Could have been more, but it, uh, it was, it was uh, very interesting. 
that was a good quali for the Espanyols, wasn't it? Yes, we dominated. You so, don't, well, it's so, the first one, two, three Spanish-speaking grid ever, I think. Yeah, but only grid. You know, <laughs> I mean, the next step is that we need the three of them in the in the podium, and then we could have the whole press conference in Spanish. That won't be no, happening. That won't be happening. <laughs> Maybe one question, though. What about Ferrari? You mentioned Carlos Sainz there. Carlos, so good to see you get your mojo back this weekend. Yeah, I was uh, yeah back uh, with a normal standard feeling with the car and being more myself than in Baku, which shows Baku was the outlier and uh, the more difficult uh, weekend of the of the season probably. But now uh, at least the feeling was back. Look, what was the car like in the race? I mean, you finished P5, you know, from P3, but are, are you happy with it? Uh, no, I don't think we can be happy, especially after fighting for the podium in the first team. We were looking to undercut Fernando. The pace was really good on the medium. We were on for a podium and then suddenly it was put the hearts on, have to go through some traffic, get some dirt in my tires. And from there, the pace dropped massively and uh, kind of uh, we went back a bit to, to reality, which is uh, at the moment we we are not quick enough in the race. and. Uh, and with the harder compounds, long stints on harder compounds, we tend to struggle more than the others. Now, were you surprised with the medium today, the lack of performance from the medium? Uh, I think everyone struggled, but out of everyone, I was the one who struggled the least because I was the whole stint in the theater of Fernando applying pressure. And actually, I was about to pass him when, when they called us in. But um, yeah, I felt like I had plenty plenty of pace in that tyre for some reason. Are you enjoying these fights with Fernando this year? You seem to be arguing over the same bit of tarmac most races. No, because I am always feel like I'm looking in the mirror uh, more than... Uh, it is true that normally the Ferrari tends to qualify a bit better than the Aston, but the Aston in the race is faster, so... Or Fernando in the race, uh, together with that Aston, they are very, very competitive, which means um, they have better tyre management and I tend to always have to defend from him. All right, look, have a great time. <laughs> thank, Bye, you. thank you. Well, Pedro, having had a really difficult weekend in Baku, I think he seemed to get his mojo back this weekend. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he drove very well. Uh, look at the problems that that uh, Charles was, was finding with the car, you know, and uh, he was really struggling at one point during the race. So it was not easy, not easy for, for uh, the car was not, didn't seem to, to be an easy car. And then he gets the five second penalty. Yeah, I mean, but uh, he, he came into the pits like he knew, you know, he was throwing an undercut to Fernando. He knew he had the chance and uh, he, he went into the, 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 the pits like uh, locking the front wheels and uh, just uh, a bit too fast. But that's, that's what it is, you know, you have to risk it sometimes. It, he was uh, fighting for a podium and it didn't work out. I mean, but anyhow, I thought he drove very well. It didn't seem a, an easy car to drive. In the Leclerc had a spin yesterday, so it seemed very wind sensitive. It seems like a car when the, it's windy in windy conditions, and the windy conditions seem to lose a lot of uh, downforce and become very picky. It seemed to be hitting the ground very much during the during the, the race, like more than any other car, especially on the rear end. It's it's a it doesn't seem like an easy car to drive, or as easy as it was last year. How difficult is it to judge your speed when you're coming into the pits? It is. Does 80Ks feel very slow? Oh, massively slow. I mean, 80Ks is like standing still. So, uh, but one thing that you need to understand really is that when you, you, you break for the, for the speed limit, it's 80 kph, but it's not, there's not a point where it's 80 kph. There is a, an area where it has to be, they do the average of 80. So if you know that, or you think that you have overshooted 80, you have the chance of really reducing like to 65, 70 for a while and then picking up the speed just to make sure that the speed limit that you, you know that on that average zone, you manage to keep it safe basically or clear from the 80 limit. So there, there's some ways that if you have any doubt, just make sure you drop your speed. And, uh, but probably Carlos thought that he was safe. You know, it, it's very difficult to judge because you come from, what, 160, 180 there. Yes, break strong, break hard. And sometimes you look at the speed, at the speed limit and it's like 79, 80. You think, yeah, it should be okay. And you've got a read on, your, on the dash telling you how fast you're going, have you? Yes, you have. You have. So there is only but one. But you're not looking at the at the speed like you're looking at the position in the car. You know, I mean, it also has in this speed entry there is a bit of a chicane. So <laughs> it's not as simple as looking at the a speedometer. You know. 
And what about Charles Leclerc? All right, I am a massive fan. The laps, the pole lap that he did in Baku, I thought was completely stunning. And I'm not sure there's another driver on the grid that could have done that lap. Then you come here and we have an error in FP3. We have an error in qualifying. What do you make of it? There are very few drivers that are as fast as Charles. And over one lap, he throws everything at it. So Throws too much at it? Well, I think that he's not scared of anything. I really admire Charles because he's very brave. And whenever he makes a mistake, he goes out again and pushes to the same limit. You know, he doesn't need any lap to get back into the groove or get the conf his self-confidence back. He just goes out there and does exactly what he needs to do, push to the limit. And this is something that not many drivers can do. And that, that's why I think he can drive the Ferrari so well, because it, it, it doesn't look like an easy car to drive. And Carlos sometimes uh, struggles, like in Baku. He didn't feel confident. He had a couple of lockups and uh, he went straight into a couple of corners. And then suddenly he, he, he loses his confidence, while Charles, he, he doesn't really care about it. You know, he just continues doing what he's uh, good at, which is driving the car on the, on the knife edge. And what did you make of his race today? I mean, he got to seventh. In fact, start seventh, finishes seventh. I mean, it was a quiet race. I, I think that, I mean, we were all expecting a bit more because uh, look at what Max did, you know. But let's remind ourselves that Charles is not driving a Red Bull. So what Max did is stunning. It's incredible. I mean, just proves that he, he, he showed us a masterclass today, but he's also driving a supercar that takes care of the tires, that uh, is very, very complete. So I think that we were all expecting more from Leclerc, but having said that, how many drivers would have done better than him on a, on a Ferrari today? Otmar Safnauer, the team principal of Alpine is here. Otmar? Yep, there's a smile. There's a smile. It's been a good weekend. I can say it's been a good weekend for you guys. Is there a sense of relief? Yeah, it's better. Uh, you know, both in the points. If we can continue to do that throughout the year, we'll, you know, be in a much stronger position. So yeah, it's it's been better, and we're not not that far off here anyway. You know, a couple of three tenths, and uh, we would have stayed ahead of Leclerc and and uh, Lewis. What about the upgrades that you brought to Baku last time out? Um, you didn't get many laps, so couldn't get a read on them. Are, are you pleased with them? Are they a step forward? Yeah, I mean, they're working. So um, it, we pressure tapped the floor. That shows us exactly you know, where, where the downforce is coming from, and it's better. Well done. Thank you, Otmar. Here we get a thumbs up. That is a happy, happier team principal at Alpine. I'm guessing there has been a lot of pressure released in that race today because I sensed it was building. Did you did you see before the race that on Canal Plus, uh, the French TV broadcaster, no, that Laurent Rossi, the big boss there, he let rip on the team just saying, you know, it was amateurish, I think is how he described their performances earlier in the year. And I sensed there was a lot of pressure building up. So eighth and ninth, Gasly and Ocon is very welcome. Yeah, and uh, Gasly especially did a fantastic race, you know, early on. And... Uh, I think they that they are they are a team that will will improve a lot in the next few races. No, they have a they seem to be picking up the pace. They suddenly are very fast in some uh, free practice sessions. Suddenly they you know and they they are on top. So I'm expecting big things from Alpine. But where in the pecking order do you see them at the minute? Have you established the pecking order in your mind? If we go Red Bull one, Aston Martin two. Where are Alpine? They're sixth in the World Championship. Is that an accurate reflection of the pace of the car? Well, I mean, you, we have to think that after uh, uh, us, Ferrari and Mercedes, they are, the, they are the team, you know, they're the team to beat. I think that they will evolve. They have uh, the know-how how to improve the car. Last year, they did a very good work, you know, development process during the whole season. So I'm, I'm expecting the Alpine to get strong towards the end of the season. Now, we're crossing the Dolphins pitch here and uh, we're making our way to Mercedes and we've got lots we've got a racing driver we've got engineers now George you were my driver of the day today yeah I enjoyed it probably hey. most enjoyable race I've had since since Brazil last year well look, can you just explain your weekend to me so lightning quick in FP1 the pace then seems to go away and then you go and drive a mega race like that 
I mean, I don't have any explanations to be honest. It's um, <laughs> if we knew we'd be able to deliver the good, good performances every single session. I think F1's so challenging at the moment. The cars are so complex. When you get it in a sweet spot, everything comes alive. And uh, you know, we didn't do that in qualifying. We paid the price. Today was more of a normal performance, but we just need to find more overall lap time. It's as simple as that. When you were to Carlos, did you think that you could uh, catch Fernando? Because they, at, that, at that point you were flying. I mean, you were one of the fastest cars on yeah, track. Yeah, I, I mean, you, I believed it because uh, we're moving forward. I was pushing flat out, but I think Fernando at the time was sort of managing the tyres and had, had some extra performance in the pocket. So, you know, it was a good race. Fernando's doing a really great job at the moment. Uh, hopefully, Imola, we can be a bit closer to them. Uh, but, you know, Red Bull are a long way ahead and we need to we need to sort that out and, and catch them up quick. What about Imola, man? I mean, there's so they, much... They, uh, there's a lot of expectation around yes. Imola, but, you know, everybody's moving forward. Everyone's bringing upgrades. For sure, we'll, we'll go a small step in the right direction. I'd like to think it can transform things, but this is Formula One. It's never, never that straightforward. Have you driven the upgrades in the sim? I have, I have, but the sim's not reality. So uh, I won't give any secrets away. As I said, don't expect uh, the world to change in Imola. Red Bull is still going to be the quickest. And at the end of the day, I don't care where we are. We're chasing them and we want to beat them. George, Thank well you, done. George. Travel Thanks. safe. Travel safe. Thank you for your time. Well, interesting. He's really impressing me this year. It's uh, unbelievable. I mean, this guy is, I mean, what he's doing on a very difficult car, but not this year. I mean, last year, I was shocked. I thought that uh, it would take him a while to get to the speed of Luis and he was straight on on a very difficult car, on a bouncy car, you remember last year, and this year again, on a, it's incredible. I mean, how he managed to, today was a very tough race for the dri racing drivers. It was hot and humid, difficult, but also it was very difficult to, to manage the tires through the race, especially the, that medium of an one-stopper. So that was really impressive how he did it. But what's really impressed me about George is his qualifying pace this year. I know he was known as Mr. Saturday when he was at Williams, but you know, he had, with all respect, Nicholas Latifi is his teammate. He's now got Lewis Hamilton, all right? 103 pole positions as his teammate. And he, more often than not, is out-qualifying him. It's extraordinary. Yeah, but more importantly than, uh, than out-qualifying him, I think that he's, some races he's even faster in uh, race pace, you know? I mean, I mean, they are very evenly matched. And this is the beauty about these two, two drivers, and especially about George. Because I think no one, no one ever expected his him to be that this strong, this mature. Whenever he talks on the radio, he has uh, this uh, capability of reading the race, which not many racing drivers have, and they are the ones that make the difference at the end of the day. He's also very polite on the radio when uh, Lewis let him pass yes. today. Very British, I would <laughs> yes, say. Yeah? Yes, very right. nice. It was, yeah, he was very edu well educated. So George, of course, had a, a brilliant drive to fourth place and we just made our way down to McLaren and the tail of the two Brits, if we can call it that, couldn't be, well, there couldn't be greater contrast, really. George driving that great race to P4 and Lando Norris, P17, after what's been a really difficult weekend for McLaren. Yeah, they, they started both McLarens with a soft tyre, which was a really strange tyre choice, especially because everyone knew that the, that, that the medium was already marginal, so imagine the soft. Lando, we were just discussing your decision to start on the soft tyre. Yeah, I went forward three positions and then got taken out. You got hit. What happened quite there? quite a bit of damage. Uh, Nick forgot to brake, I think. He hit you <laughs> from behind it. And how, much, I mean, how did that affect the handling of the car? Uh, just a loss of rear, uh, like 10 points rear downforce, which is, wow. Not insane, but it's, it makes a big difference in the end of the day. So we wouldn't have changed our results, you know, we wouldn't have made us quick or anything. It's just we wouldn't have been quite as slow as we were today. Uh, that's it. You have a, a really positive weekend seven days ago in Azerbaijan, right? And I felt that the team was going to make great strides forward. And then suddenly we come here and it seems the car was nowhere all weekend. Pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, but what conclusions have you drawn or do you need to go back to the MTC to do that? No, no, I think the conclusion, like the, it's not that it's not clear how to improve it, it's just, it's a lot of work to improve it, uh, a lot of time. I think it's very clear, you know, it's, it shows how track dependent or track characteristic biased it is. Temperature biased as well, like the temp, if it was a much colder day today, our performance for sure, like 100% would have been much better relative to other teams. I'm sure they would have done better, but we would have taken a bigger step. Like FP2 yesterday, uh, on Friday, we maybe showed a little bit more pace, but even 
when we take that out of it, our pace was actually still not too bad. Whereas when we went into qualifying like 20 degree hotter track temp, we were shocking. So it's not like we were over the moon in Baku, you know, we just had a better weekend and we're happy because of it. But the plan, the work, everything's still the same. It has been the whole year. We know where we're bad, where we have to improve. And um, just have to be patient still. As much as I don't want to be patient, we have to be patient. Will it be better in Imola? Of course, you've had podiums there in the past. Yes, actually, Imola has been one of my most successful tracks. Um, will it? I don't know. I think uh, last year we did a very good job. I had a good qualifying as P3 or something in quali. And then P3 in the race, P4 in quali, P3 in the race, I think. So it's been a better track for us. Um, definitely comparing to here. Here is these long corners. These long corners, like turn six, seven, eight. I can't describe how painful it is <laughs> driving this corner today. Was yeah, it was shocking. So Imola is, is generally a better track because it's a bit more like a 90 degree corners. You know, big break, turn, stop, go, rather than like a carrying a lot of minimum speed along. You know, like 180 degree corners for us are finished. We're game and, over. And so. The fact that it was so windy today maybe it didn't help. No, or actually the wind. Like? We spoke about this a little bit. The wind didn't affect us as much as we were. We are expecting. It started windier, but in the end, and halfway through the race, actually, it was the same as yesterday. So uh, it made a little bit of a difference, especially like six, seven, eight, a little bit more tailwind than yesterday. But uh, by halfway through the race, it was um, it's the same as yesterday. So it will change things, but um, it wasn't the reason. Thanks for your time. So what did we learn from Lando there that the McLaren doesn't like 180 degree corners, does it? Yeah, he was, uh, well, there's the Red Bull celebration happening at the moment. It's normally in the pit lane, the Red Bull celebration, isn't it? Yeah, but we um, are in America, <laughs> no? and we are in the middle of the Miami Dolphins <laughs> Stadium, Hard Rock Stadium. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, Lando was uh, extremely honest, and uh, he was, uh, but he was definitely downbeat. No, he was uh, was not the best of the races anyway. I mean, driving a car without, uh, you know, with ten points downforce uh, or less, it's over three tenths of a second which uh, is obviously, and, and it's not the mat fact of uh, having less downforce alone, it's just the, 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 the fact that you have, you're driving an unbalanced car. So basically all of a sudden you lose a lot of rear downforce and therefore you need to pit and to make sure that you, you downgrade a bit the flap angle on the front just to balance that out. But it's not easy. And uh, also the fact that they started on the soft tires would not help either with uh, with the deck that uh, they but suffered. I definitely felt he, he thought it was the right call to start on the soft because he said he made up three places and had Nick De Vries not rammed him from behind. I, I sense Lando thinks it, the result could have been different. Well, no, he said the result wouldn't be different, but maybe the performance yeah. of the car. Well, they know much better how their car performs. Uh, I mean, I find it uh, normally when you have a problem of overheating the tyres, uh, you shouldn't go for the softest. But Anyway, every every team knows has their own tactics and their their, their rim heating strategies, etc. So that's something for me not to to judge really. One thing that has changed at McLaren this weekend is we saw an old face back in the team, Gilles de Ferran. Yes, who was a, a consultant for the team, I think, in the sort of 2000 and sort of 16 to 18 era, and he's back. Working with Andrea Stella. I remember Jill when he was driving in Formula 3 and Formula Ford, in fact, you know. And if there was a driver, an elegant driver, fast, smooth, that always stood out driving the Rainer normally, I mean, everyone would be on the RAL chassis, whatever, and he was the only competitive Rainer driver in Formula 3, in British F3, was uh, Jill. So I became a big fan of his when he was driving in the, in the junior categories. I'm still are. Then he went into Indy and uh, won championships and races. And uh, he's one of those drivers that, uh, you know, have their own style, very elegant style driving. So we just stopped by this Red Bull family photo celebrating the 26th 1-2 in the team's history. We've got Christian Horner, Max Verstappen, Adrian Newey, Checo Perez. I can't see Helmut Marco, but the whole team is there. And I saw Jonathan Wheatley earlier, Pedro, who is sporting director and, and deals a lot with the FIA. And I tell you what, let's, uh, let's just make our way to Ferrari while I finish this story. But it's Jonathan Wheatley's birthday today. And he said, you cannot imagine, he said, how satisfying it is. There we go, that's Red Bull. How satisfying it is to put together a team and get the results that we're seeing now, he said. It's, you know, 
Formula One is so so hard. That's uh, there's a lot of a lot of sticky. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, there's been a, a touchdown oh, there. Oh my goodness, there's been a touchdown there. There's a lot of Red Bull being sprayed in there. Did you get any on you? No, I think we were all right. But Pedro, what it's like for a team like this, you know, to be riding the crest of a wave. You were at McLaren when they were winning everything. It, it's yes, I think, I think that everyone that has been in Formula One for a long time realized how tough it's to win. But you should always be extremely proud. And every victory or every one too, like in the case of Red Bull, should be celebrated in a special manner because you never know when the next one is going to come around. No, hang on, I think we do with them. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I get your point. You're never sure how long it's going to last, right? Well, so we are all here to stop this uh, winning strike. You know, I mean, it's very nice to see the Red Bull celebrating, but deep in my heart, it's also humiliating in a, in a way, you know, that they continuously celebrate and want to and uh, we are not able to stop them, you know. I'm, when I'm talking about, I mean, I'm talking the whole Formula One grid. I'm not talking only about the Aston Martin team. You know, I saw Adrian Newey, their chief technical officer on the grid. I mean, it's quite difficult to see anyone on the grid here because there are just so many celebrities. The sort of tidal wave of celebrities coming down the grid. I saw Tom Cruise, Roger Federer, they were all... Tom Clarkson. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see Pedro De La Rosa, where no, were you? Yeah. <laughs> I was hiding. One of the things I saw Adrian doing is that he was down at Williams and he was staring at the front wing on the Williams and how I just found it very interesting that there's not a... He's looking at all the cars for inspiration, for ideas. Well, I always, when I look at Adrian or this uh, great aerodynamicist of any team, you know, because they are, they are all bright brains, you know, great, great brains, is I would like to get in their head and see what they're looking at. Because when we look at a Formula One car, we look at the side pods, we look at the, you know, the, 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 the big things that stand out. But what are they really looking? Because the, the good thing about, for example, when I talk with aerodynamics of, of Aston Martin is, I, I always tell them, look, have you seen this detail of the, the side pod of this car or the other? And they, they, they always uh, reply, well, that's the last thing I would, I would ever look at, you know? They, they look at details that are more much more important than the big bulky body works you know so it's 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 always uh, fantastic to see well how creative they are and uh, what are they focusing on as adrian was looking at this front wing on the williams tom cruise was walking behind him he didn't once look round to have a look at tom cruise not wow. impressed by any of that you, you know in, in in 2005 i remember when i was driving the mp420 i was the test driver back then and i remember in, in one uh, photo, team photo, that I was like sitting down on the side pod of the MP420. And I remember Adrian coming to me and said, don't sit down on the side pod because it will touch the ground. So he was already exploiting the aeroelasticity back then. But no one had, had even thought about it, you know, not even myself. I mean, and then I realized, oh yeah, it's really, really soft and nice and comfy, com comfortable, you know, but <laughs> it was because it was bending, you know. Also, you're not a heavy guy, Pedro. It must have been very flexible. Yes. It was yeah. an area that obviously was uh, other teams were not exploiting. Let's it put is it this way. incredibly impressive. That's a move that's been a long time coming for Charles Leclerc to the inside of Magnussen. Magnussen relishing fighting the Ferrari, and he fights back to hold on to seventh. And Leclerc will be fuming with this. That's it, Kev. Well done, mate. E10, one point. We'll take that. Fantastic work. Uh, sorry, guys. I was hoping for a little more there, but uh, I got a that. Sorry, man. Back in the game, though, we play it all weekend, so let's move on. Now, look, one driver in the top 10, Pedro, that we haven't talked about is Kevin Magnus. All right, he starts the race P4, finishes 10th. So determined. He's a racer, isn't uh, he? He's, he's a feisty one. I really admire him. You know, how he fought against uh, Charles, against uh, many other guys. They were just getting the elbows out. He's brave. He's not intimidated by anyone or any team, you know, and uh, this is the, the greatness of Kevin. He's a, a brave driver. He, he's not an easy driver to have, uh, to have a fight with, you know. He, you know that he will push to whatever he needs to be pushed, you know, to the end. And if he even, <laughs> if he's fighting for, for something important, you know that he will throw your car at, at, at you, you know. And what is interesting about him is that whenever a big result is in the offing, He's there for it. And I'm thinking of his pole position in Brazil last year or 
the fourth place on the grid here. He seems, you know, on the face of it, he's had a couple of difficult races this year where, you know, he's openly admitted that he's struggled to get to grips with the car. But when the opportunity's been there, it's him getting the result. He has the raw speed in the dry, in the wet, in the inter in conditions, you know, he's, uh, Nico is pushing him to his best. And what we saw yesterday of, 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 of Kevin, I keep thinking about Jan, you know, when I'm talking about Kevin, I sometimes going to say Jan. When I'm talking about Max, I'm going to <laughs> say Josh. <just, laughs> it just proves <laughs> how, we're old, getting old. how old we're getting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Kevin, definitely a, a super guy, a super person as well, you know, a really nice guy. And what do you make of the pace of Haas? Very fast in quali and uh, then in the race they don't manage to keep up that, that consistency why is that have no idea but it's obviously down to tire management or you know how the car treats the tires because their qualifying pace is impressive and this this weekend i mean kevin but also nico have been amazingly fast in many free practice sessions they have always been at the top when you talk about consistency the only teams that have actually been consistent this year are you, Aston Martin and Red Bull. Everyone else has been fluctuating from one race to the next. So it's not just Haas. Yeah, no, it is, uh, it's a difficult business. I mean, uh, you know, after working with these uh, bright minds uh, in Formula One, there's many times that you come out of a weekend being slow and they don't have an answer for that. You know, it's not that they are hiding information. It's just, it's a complex sport. And uh, sometimes you don't know, you're expecting to be very fast at the track and then your blood is low. Why is that difficult to say, you know? It's, it's, not, it's not one plus one, it's two. But you have to be consistent. And the way of being consistent is especially being good on your tires. Because it doesn't really matter how quick you can be on one lap, but you need to be, you know, lap after lap, compound, different compounds, different type of corners. You need to be consistent and flexible as well. Well, Pedro. It's almost time. There's not many people around. No, it's just Tom. you and me. It's getting dark. The forklift trucks are in. The freight is being packed up, sent back to Europe. But in conclusion, and I'm, let's talk bigger picture stuff here. I think this has been a fantastic weekend for Formula One, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been great. It's been my first uh, Miami Grand Prix as well. So I, I cannot compare against last year, but it's been fantastic. The, the atmosphere, the... The response from the spectators has been good, you know, the yeah. racing has been good. It has been, or at least it has been an interesting race where there is a clear dominant team. But the good thing is that they have, uh, Checo is in a great state and is uh, giving, giving a very hard time to Max. And this is important for Formula One. And, and you think he won't be too downhearted after what happened today? No, I don't think so. I think that the Checo has also his circuits, you know, he's a... Uh, and last year he was—he didn't like the circuit. He was struggling with the new asphalt as well, the, or at least he—he he, he claimed it was—it was difficult for him. So I believe that he will push Max very hard in the next races, and especially on those circuits that he's—he's he's quick at. You know, he's especially fast. Last year he was struggling with the with the Red Bull in many, especially in the high-speed corners. When you were checking the, his telemetry against against uh, against Max, you could see that he was losing a lot on the high speed. This year, he's up there. He's very, very fast in the high speed and very comparable to Max. So I think that he has made a big step. I think the Red Bull this year has a, is a lot more drivable, easier to drive, and uh, it's helping Checo massively. And when we go to Imola in two weeks' time, do you think the fields will be closer or do you think all things being equal, it'll be another race between Max and Checo? Well, I don't know, really. I mean, I, we only have to hope and, uh, well, keep working at all the teams just to make sure that uh, they close the gap to, to Red Bull. What is incredible about Red Bull is with all the limitations they have on their development, on the times in the wind tunnel, on the CFD, that they, they're still, they're still the, the, the fastest and they keep developing the car more than any other team or, you know, at least that's what the difference shows. Are you show. feeling that that's the case this year? Well, Even I, with all of I those mean, limitations, they're still developing the car quicker than anyone else. I mean, the, the results proved me right, you know. I mean, they, they went to Baku, they brought upgrades, they worked, they kept the, 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 the distance. If In fact, they maybe they opened up a bit the differences. I mean, it's, it's, it's impressive having all, all the limitations, but they, it just proves what a great team they are. Well, Pedro, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much for your time. You look like you've enjoyed Miami. What's next for you? 
Well, I'm, my plan now is to I go back to Spain and then I will be not in Imola, uh, possibly Monaco a few days, but on a bit of a holiday. And then I'll be back in, in Barcelona in the Spanish Grand Prix. Obviously, I'll be there. Home race. It's going to be mega, that, isn't it? I mean, the expectation of, this, uh, of the whole, of whole Spain is unreal. I mean, having Carlos, having Fernando uh, up there fighting for a podium. I mean, today was a fantastic race for Spain as well, you know. I mean, it was uh, incredible. There's a big hype, you know, in Formula One in, uh, now in Spain with, uh, with this, uh, this fight. All right, Pedro, thanks for your time. See you soon. See you in Spain. See you. So here's how they finished. Max Verstappen took his second consecutive win in Miami, win number 38 of his Formula One career. Teammate Sergio Perez was second and Fernando Alonso made it his fourth podium in five races in this 2023 season. In fourth place, George Russell. Fifth came the lead Ferrari of Carlos Sainz, despite that five-second penalty for speeding in the pits. In sixth was Lewis Hamilton. Seventh was Charles Leclerc, started seventh, finished seventh. Then came the two Alpines of Pierre Gasly, eighth, Esteban Ocon, ninth. And rounding out the top ten was Kevin Magnussen. In the Drivers' Championship, Max Verstappen has extended his lead at the top to 14 points over his teammate Sergio Perez. In third comes Fernando Alonso on 75 points, already 30 points behind Sergio Perez. In fourth is the lead Mercedes of Lewis Hamilton on 56. Then comes the lead Ferrari of Carlos Sainz on 44 points. George Russell is sixth on 40 points with Charles Leclerc seventh on 34. Then comes the second Aston Martin driver Lance Stroll in eighth, Lando Norris is ninth, and Pierre Gasly is tenth on eight. In the Constructors' Championship, Red Bull are sitting pretty at the top on 224 points, with Aston Martin second on 102. But it's very tight behind, Mercedes just six points behind Aston now in third place, with Ferrari fourth just 18 points behind Mercedes. In fifth, a McLaren on 14, now equal with Alpine also on 14. Haas are seventh with eight points, Alfa Romeo eighth, Alfa Tauri ninth, and Williams are tenth with one point. Well, that's how the real championships are standing. Let's now check in with our F1 Fantasy League. Our drivers for F1 Nation racing this weekend were Verstappen, Alonso, Russell, Piastri and Yuki Tsunoda. And our constructors were Red Bull and Aston Martin. So no points for Piastri and Tsunoda, but Verstappen, Alonso and Russell will make up for that. Now, remember, you can join our league at any time to compete against us and other listeners. Just search for the F1 Nation World Championship. And if you're not playing yet, it's not too late to join. It's totally free. Just search online for F1 Fantasy to sign up. Then choose your constructors and drivers using a $100 million budget. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Monday with our preview to the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix at Imola. And in the meantime, you can listen to our next episode of F1 Beyond the Grid with former BMW team principal Mario Tyson. That comes out on Wednesday. Just search for Beyond the Grid on your podcast app. But for now, from us here at F1 Nation, to Pedro, to Eric, thank you very much for your help. F1 Nation is produced by F1 and Audio Boom Studios.